David spares Saul. Up to this point, what's, uh, what's happening? What's going on here? Yeah, Saul's out to try to kill him. He's stalking him. People's telling him he's over here. Paul, or Saul rather, goes on to get uh, to go that way and look for him. And uh, continuous pursuit. And um, David and Jonathan didn't believe it at first, if you remember. But then, uh, as we see in the introduction here, um, he makes it public, doesn't he? How does he make it public? Who does he tell, class? Tells Jonathan, his son, doesn't he? Uh, makes that, that statement there. He says, for as long as the house of who? Jesse, the son of Jesse, or for as long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, he says, you're not going to be established in the kingdom, nor your kingdom. What was, what was Saul thinking there? Usually it went down to what? The son or whatever the case may be. Yeah. Uh, so I, I guess that maybe was a statement. Maybe you are to be against him too because you're not going to get it. You're not going to be the next king. A typical way of what? Thinking for mankind, right? Everybody who has, at the end of the day, whoever has, when you're a kid, you have, at the end of the day, whoever has the most toys, what? Wins. <laughs> when you're a little one uh, and acting like a child, well, that's how you think. Um, so again, he lays it out there. He says, now therefore send and bring him to me. What did Jonathan do there? What did he do? Protested, the book says. Took up for David. Oh, he was outraged, wasn't he? Outraged enough that he threw a spear at him. Uh, any of y'all ever been that angry with your children? <laughs> I threw things before. I don't believe it. Oh. I don't want to ever throw a spear, uh, do I? <laughs> yeah, Bobby. Y'all, y'all remember that we was doing the Zoom back when COVID first came out? We was on the Zoom, <laughs> and Tyler and all with both of them or one of them, both of them or one of them. I don't know. One of them run through there, and we was all on Zoom studying, come running through there, or whatever. And Bobby just picks up a pillow and just way lays <laughs> Just like sit down. <laughs> Talk about throwing stuff. Oh, uh, Lacey wasn't a spear, Bobby. Uh, but anyway, um, Saul had, as the book lays out, previously attempted to harm him. Uh, he made it public. Opened, the book says, open declaration. And it removed all doubt that he was there to kill him and David was forced to flee. We remember that from last week. Fled out, uh, out of there and went to Achish, uh, the king of Gath. The book points out here that all the places he was gone, where did, where did he end up going? Back to the land of Philistines. The Philistines. What's the, what's the irony there? He slew Goliath. Yeah, he slew Goliath, the Philistines. They're a great man. <clears throat> and then he goes and seeks uh, there. Uh, and he takes Goliath's sword with it, yeah. 
Uh, and the book points out, says that he thinks he's going to be able to slip in there and, and be and not noticed. Most certainly what? Not. Because what, what, what does I say happens here? Said he escaped only by pretending to what? Be insane. Um, but they, they find him, don't they? They start telling Saul where he's at. Um, and it lists the places where he's gone. Um, and the location, is, it says there's where David and Jonathan met for the final time. And uh, Jonathan told him, if you remember, do not fear. For the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. Even my father Saul knows that, verse 17. Knowing all of this, that the king sought David's life, the uh, Zephites informed Saul of David's location. Uh, one commentator writes, he said, hoped, uh, uh, they likely hoped to do what? Profit from it. Yeah. They wanted to say, oh, we'll help out the king here, and we'll get taxes free or I don't know something they was looking for something wasn't it um, I'm pretty sure but uh, they took, gave away his position so they went down to the rock stayed at the wilderness of Maon and then Saul continued his pursuit there and was encircling David and his men to take them and what event happened what happened he was what yeah we had to leave the pursuit of David and go to another uprising with the Philistines. Um, and the uh, recording of that a stronghold, it says that in Gedi. Uh, that's listed in 1 Samuel 24, 1 through 22. Now, you go back to 24 and, and 1 through 7. It was uh, read just a moment ago. He returned from there. He was told where David was hiding. And, of course, this section is entitled, David Finds Saul. And uh, it kind of gives you where it's located there by the Dead Sea, 35 miles southeast of Jerusalem. Um, Spring-fed oasis, plenty, plenty of things to, to, to uh, help them survive there and meet their needs. Me, me and Saul take with him. What does the book say? Chosen men. They were at skilled, yeah, skilled men. And what does the book say about uh, compared to David? Five times more. And the book lays out that he is what? He is going to make sure what? That he is not going to fail. Um... He said they were highly skilled. One commentator says that he would take such a force into hospitable uh, territory in the case that Saul did not plan to fail again in his efforts to kill David. And then the, the book lays out, they come to a certain place there, the sheep folds by the road. There's a cave. Saul went in. And he said, uh, the book points out, a good point, says, normally a detail like this would not be important to the narrative, but such actions are assumed but not usually described in Scripture. In this instance, however, it is an integral part of the story. What do we find out? He goes into this cave. What's, what's the deal here? 
Yeah, actual cave where David and me. Did Saul know that? No, he didn't know that, did he? Uh, he's going to know. <laughs> he's going to know here just in a minute. Um, but again, they're there in the cave. He doesn't know it. Um, and the book, the, the book points out, it says, whether Saul did not see David and his men, um, he did not expect them to be in the cave or because his eyes were maybe not adjusted to the darkness. Uh, David's men recognized the king. Now, what's the, what's the thing here? What's David's men suggest wanting to do? Yeah, they say the Lord's what? Delivered him into your hand. Here's your chance. You take him. Typical what? Thinking of men, isn't it? Here's my chance to take what? Vengeance. How many times think about that in our lives today? Whether it was yesterday or last week or last month or whatever. How many times do we think? Now, we may not be thinking about taking vengeance with a spear or a sword or a gun or a knife or whatever, but when's the last time or how often or how far back yesterday or whatever have we looked at a situation and said, hmm, here's me a good chance. We use our words. We use our actions. I'll show him or I'll show her. Now, that's what David's men wanted him to do, right? Here you go, get it. And it's you probably the right, I mean, look, I guess you, look, somebody's trying to kill you, you would think we're going to, you know, we'd all say, well, we got the right to defend ourselves. And we got the right to, to, to kill them before they kill us. But what's David's thinking on this? He can't do it. This is God's anointed. It's the king. Yeah. So in David's eyes, it would be a vengeance or a kill against God rather than really Saul. He said, I can't do that. Now, that's being humble, isn't it? And having humility and not seeking vengeance. Because that's, that's a serious thing in our world today. That's, that's the way the world thinks. Uh, it, it, might, it may not be against somebody outside. It may be against your mate. I'll show him. I'll show her. Whatever the case may be. Maybe against a brother or sister in the church. Co-worker. Family member. God says that vengeance is what? Mine. And that's a hard thing for us to deal with. I know it. I, hey, I'm there. I'm over there with, there with you because when somebody does me wrong or someone talks to me, and I'm not saying that we don't defend ourselves, but we need to defend ourselves in the right kind of way. 
Now, a lot of times when I'm in, in a situation, and, and I often get into confrontations or different, I say different things in, in our, all that I'm involved in, one thing I've learned, this is a personal thing, one thing I've learned, if I can walk away from it and think about it for a few hours or a day or two, <laughs> it really changes the way I look at it. If I respond immediately, my reaction is not what it should be. I think that's a great lesson for us is to be able to, because that's the number one thing we want to do. We want to get back at people. And we use our words. They're very sharp sometimes, uh, very cutting. And it goes back to what, you know, Brother Gossett's been talking about the tongue and our words and our speech and should be seasoned with salt and we should be uplifting to exhort each other and, and not tear each other down. There's a lot of times there's things that I can encounter that I may not really see the way someone else sees it or a group of people see it or whatever, but I don't, I try not to, I'll put it that way, I try not to go back and seek vengeance or well, I'm going to let them know how I feel. Does it really matter in every case? I mean, some cases we got to stand for the truth. I'm not saying that. When we don't trivial matters, does it really matter? We're going to talk about that in our sermon today. Does it really matter that I need to say what I think I need to say what I need to say to my husband, my wife, or church member, family member? No, it don't. That's right, Benny. Two rights don't make a wrong. And we have to we have to really and I said this is a good point in this thing, you know, David brings it out. He said, I can't do that against God. And maybe it's a good way for us to look at it. We we can't do those things against God. People who do wrong to us and people who continue to be in wrong are gonna are gonna get their just punishment, aren't they? in due time but we want it when right now I'm going to get at them right now I'm going to try to make them look bad as bad as I can make them look always reminds me of our uh, elections our presidential elections and other elections and things they try to do what most of the time tear down each other you know they want to make themselves look good, you know, and and that's, you know, again, that's just not the way we, way we should see those things, and we should work to, to not be able to do that. What does David do though, in this situation? Yeah. You know, in the book later on, they're going to say one 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 says that. Um, uh, that a symbolism of um, you know he spared his life and uh, something about the kingdom I think uh, one says but a transfer of the kingship but you know David's going to use that and he's going to say I was this close to you and I could have took your life now let's think about today's world what is a situation that we could do something like that? Now, we're not going to cut somebody's robe, 
inside a robot. But how can we show someone today that we, we could have really hurt you, but we didn't? Can you think of anything? No? Sometimes we have situations, maybe in our workplace, that maybe someone was wrong on something. How do we handle that? Do we tell the people who are above us or our bosses or whoever, well, so-and-so, they should have done that or they should have done it this way or they, they knew better than that and I, I knew better. Sometimes, I think, we should look at it in the standpoint of let's just help, them, help that person fix the problem and leave it between me and you. But a lot of times in our workplaces, we seek to say, man, so-and-so is terrible at doing this, whatever the case may be. They don't have to be at work. Maybe it's in the church. Maybe it's in our families. Sometimes it's better to look at those situations like that and say, you know, I could have cut your throat. And I'll not say it braggingly, but they, sometimes you don't have to say that. They know that. If you help a person and say, hey, I noticed this wasn't right. You didn't do this right. This is how you need to do it. And hey, it's just between me and you. I could have killed you. Our words and actions kill, don't they? Sometimes we don't do that. Sometimes we don't do that. But again, he cuts it off. Lord said, I can't, or, uh, David goes on and says, Forbid I do this thing to my master, the Lord's anointed. Um, he chose his king was obvious, therefore he restrained his men. The book explains that there, what that means. He persuaded them, he rebuked them. No, this is not how we're going to handle this. Now, David's in a leadership position with his men. <clears throat> you think about us today. Again, in our workplaces, again, in our homes, the men are your spiritual leaders. This is not how we're going to handle this in our home. This is not how we're going to handle this at work. We're going to handle this this way. Be that leader like David was. Say, hey, this is a, we, there's a better way to handle this thing. Um, but sometimes we want to go along with the majority of the group, and the majority thinks how the world thinks. Uh, so again, Saul got up and came out of the uh, cave and went on his way. Now, David seeks peace. The next section there, verses 8 through 15. And for time's sake, we're not going to take time to read all that. But following Saul from the cave, David called to him, My Lord, the King. What else did David do here? Bless you. Yeah. What type of position would we say that was? on his knee, the prostrate position of respect. Uh, a man who's trying to kill him. He's still stooping down to him, calling him my lord, the king. 
still giving him his respect. It's just kind of like us today. We may not like our president, but we have a right to respect his what? Position, and we need to be praying for him because he needs all the prayers he can get. Our administration at higher level all the way down. Our Lord, he can take and make good decisions from bad things. But again, he still shows respect. And it says, his language and his posture displayed the respect he possessed for the king's position. One commentator, uh, or David Dressaw, and said, I'm sorry, commentator, says, why do you listen to the words of the men who say, indeed, David seeks you harm. Look this day, your eyes have seen that the Lord delivered you into my hand. The cave, someone urged me to kill you, but my eyes spared you. So he runs through the whole scenario with Saul. The book points out Saul felt that he was not in any danger while in the cave. And David's presence indicates how close he could have been to death. Um, if he wanted to take his life, he could have. And then he shows him the proof. He said, here's a corner of your rope. And I cut it off. He said, I could have killed you. See, there is neither evil nor rebellion in my hand, and I have not sinned against you, yet you hunt my life to take it. Bless you. We all up and snoring. Uh, snoring. <laughs> We're sneezing today. It's that time of year, ain't it? All that stuff blooming. It says, did the bottom drop out of Saul's stomach? When David held up the chunk of his robe, David could have been far more cunning than this. How can Saul seek to bushwhack David when there's obviously no harm, revolt, or wrong in David towards Saul? So you think about it. Even today, a soft answer does what? Turns away wrath. A non-threatening posture will de-escalate situations. The right kind of words will help the situation. <clears throat> you think about this last week we were in this tournament and they had, uh, they were actually, had sent out emails and stuff for people who could not walk and had physical problems, whatever, could take and get a spectator cart. But in our coaches meeting with TWSAA, they said, by no way, certain means or matter will anybody get a cart, whether, they, whether they've turned that doctor's note in or not. Because you're not going to get one. If you didn't get it turned in prior to the event, the deadline they had set, you're not going to get one. Man, there was people who didn't see that. And my aunt and uncle was one of them who came from Alabama. And she has a bad hip, knee, and had surgery and all this stuff. So the first day she had to sit in the room. She walked part of it, but then she went back to the room and sat. And they got up the next morning to leave to go back to Alabama and not even stay for the second day because um, they had to check out of the room. Man, there were people going up to those officials and things, and I mean, they were just reaming them out. What do you mean? I could sue you, I heard one say. Because I've got a disability and blah, blah, blah. I mean, people are just really upset. 
it was not a good spectator friendly course. It was not, and there's been a lot of complaints. And I found out that the Sevierville Golf Club was not happy the way TLSAA set it up, and there's been a lot of issues. It's the first year we've had it there. So Friday morning, I wanted my aunt to be able to watch Abigail go play, and I said, well, this is the second day. A lot of people's left. It's been raining. I said, I'm just going to go see if there's a cart with her doctor's note that we could get. So I went there and talked to the lady, and, and uh, I asked her, I said, ma'am, I said, you can say no. I said, and that'll be fine. I said, I have no hard feelings. I explained the situation to her, and so we have the doctor's note. She said, thank you. She said, I'm going to give you a card. <laughs> now, if I'd have went in there, what, guns a-blazing and said, telling her how terrible it was, you think I'd have got a card for my aunt? No. Uh, we would not have. So, again, talking about David and, and that same thing, the way we choose to handle things, a lot of times we'll get, my granddad said you attract more flies with, honey than you do vinegar and we need to remember that um you know david here he, he could have handled it a whole different way but he didn't um and david was going to continue as the book said he's going to uh, conduct himself in an upright way he did not return evil for evil even though saul had acted wickedly toward him um so again Saul concedes in the last section. Saul's instability was reflected in his response to David. After listening to David's speech, he asked, Is this your voice, my son David? Uh, book suggests that maybe the position that David was in, the lighting, whatever the case was, he really didn't know. But he did what? Recognize his voice. Yeah. Um, so he turned to him, he lifted up his voice. Saul lifted up his voice and wept. He says, You are what? More righteous than I. More righteous than I. Now that's not a bad statement there. We should be we should seek to be more righteous than everybody else. Not in a prideful way but in a position that where people will look at us and say wow man they could have they could have ate my lunch they could have done whatever but they didn't and he sees that um, he said you've been good to me but he said I've been evil to you and you've shown me this day how you've dealt with me, for when the Lord delivered me into your hand, you did not kill me. He understood what David could have done. He also knew what he would have done if the circumstances were reversed. And David was certainly the more, more righteous of the two. It says the book, points out, says normally people do not allow their enemies to escape. Surprisingly, Saul then acknowledged that David would eventually become king. 
And the book lays out says, was he overwhelmed by David's righteousness, or did he become, or did he come to the conclusion that God was indeed directing and protecting David? Whatever his reasoning, one commentator writes here, Saul was emotionally crushed by the circumstances in this state set outside all pretense of superiority to David. What does Saul end up asking David at the end here? Yeah. All of my descendants, he said, please be merciful to them. And David swore to Saul and the two men parted company. Applications, we've kind of already talked about some of them. The first one there, you know, comes out of the scripture of Romans 12 and verses 17 and 18, or 17 through 19. Restraint, he trusted God. David's unwilling to take Saul's life stands a remarkable example of restraint. Also to avenge him, Paul encouraged Christians to take a similar approach. And that's us. Repay no evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it's, and if it is possible, as much as depends on you, do what? Live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I'll repay, says the Lord. The next one there, David's humility is commendable. He'd have been anointed as Israel's next king. He knew that. But he did not presume to have authority over the king. He referred to himself as a dead dog and a flea. David could have took the stance, well, I'm the next king, and I know God's not happy with you, and blah, blah, blah. He could have just took all other way, the normal way of thinking. But he didn't. And this is something that's hard for us to do. We need to follow David's example. Humble yourself before God. What does he say? He will exalt you. He'll lift you up. We've got to do that. We've got to take that way of thinking. The questions. Where did David and his men, uh, where were David and his men hiding? Wilderness of Engag there, in Gedi. How many soldiers did Saul take it with him? 3,000. Five times more than what David had? Skilled men at that what did David do to prove he could have taken Saul's life? Cut off the corner of his garment. Why did David's heart trouble him? Because he cut it off. Just a little bitty thing like that, to cut it off. And he was the Lord's anointed. How did David refer to himself? Dead dog and a flea. To symbolize what? His what? Humility. His smallness, his littleness, his, you know, in your sight, this is what I am. That's a hard attitude for us to get sometimes, isn't it? To put others above ourselves. 
What did Saul acknowledge that David would become? The king of Israel. What did Saul ask David to swear he would not do? Yeah. He wanted him to he wanted him to take mercy that he wouldn't, you know, be wrath against his descendants. Um All right, so that's our lesson today. Next week, we'll look at David and Nabal. Nabal, I guess how you say that. Um, been a good study for us. Good study. Let us end uh, with a prayer this morning. Father in heaven, we're thankful for the day, the good night's rest you've given us to awake us another day, the Lord's day to be able to come together as your children. Father, help us to be humble. Help us to not seek vengeance. Help us to help other people and to do what you would have us to do. Father, bless us as we enter into our worship. We pray that we can worship you in spirit and in truth. Help us as we sing and pray and do all the items of worship that we'll do them according to your will. Forgive us, Father, that we do fail you. We're thankful for your Son. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat>